Hello and welcome, Highfalutin Ski Bone Podcast. This is episode number 75. It is your pals, Mario and Brian. Mario, what's going on, dude? Diamond anniversary today. It is. Uh, didn't even realize we hit 75 yet. Number 75, yeah, this is a big one. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, happy New Year and happy holidays. Hope you guys had a, a great time. Hopefully, you didn't miss us too much. I know we were out the last, uh, we didn't put out a podcast last week. We both were really under the weather and uh too much of that celebrating happy new year stuff you know what it all started with ski bum week it started in early december and then we came back and then it was the holidays and then it was the new year and then it just i know i was just decimated last week my throat was killing me couldn't sleep couldn't talk so i think we had ski bum week too hard this year we gotta we, we gotta definitely balance it next year well we could jet lag involved you know there's a lot of stuff going on there's there's things going on we, things were pushed very hard so uh <laughs> so hopefully you guys didn't miss us too much and we appreciate you checking us out again and uh yeah you can check us out on skibumpodcast.com check us out on instagram instagram.com slash skibumpodcast twitter.com slash skibumpodcast facebook.com slash skibumpodcast and please go rate and, sub- and uh, subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast app. If that podcast app is the Apple default podcast app, uh, go to the bottom, bottom right corner, hit search, type in highfalutin ski bums. You will get, there's three tabs then, all podcast episodes, podcast. You'll see the podcast there with our logo. Click on it, and then you'll see details, reviews, related. Go to the middle tab. Hit reviews, and then in the middle of the page, you'll see write a review. And if you go on there, say, hey, you guys, we love you, thank you, and give us five stars, we would really appreciate it because that would help us get a little more exposure and uh, unlock a few other levels that we're trying to unlock to uh, take this podcast to the next level. So We have our new marketing guru that's actually helping us with the with- navigating this. That's yeah. true. A former guest host is now uh, our, our chief marketing officer, so so big things are on the horizon. So so again, if you guys could help us out, we would greatly appreciate it. And with that being said, I think it's time for a little... Oh, uh, yeah, we're back mm-hmm. with the weekly flavor. Um, I think it's called Apre Today. Oh, I thought it was called <laughs> Weekly Flavor. It is the Apre Today. The Apre Today. Everyone's favorite. Everyone's favorite. So we got some good stuff. We were up in Vermont um, doing a little collecting. We want to do a little more collecting, but... There were issues involved. We, we couldn't really get to some of the places because they were closed. Um, How dare they be closed during the holiday season? <laughs> but we did get some yum yum, uh, yummy little uh, treats. So, uh, Brian, why don't you start because you have one of, the, one of the, the yummy little treats that we got. Yeah, this is, a, uh, this is an, an awesome, uh, awesome beard. Now, this is from Foley Brothers Brewing, which is up in, I'm trying to see exactly where in Vermont. Um, they're about what a half an hour. Oh, Morton, Vermont. So they're kind That's of forty-five minutes up north of Killington, right? Yeah, it's if you're uh, in Rutland and you can kind of you can go east to go to Killington on Route Four. If you keep going north on Route Seven, it's about a half an hour north there. Um, it's the Foley Brothers Brewing. They've been around since 2012. I first discovered them last year up at uh, at Sushiyoshi. Actually, they had a couple beers on draft, and this one that we're having today is the Prospect, which is their Imperial IPA, and it's a nine percenter, but it, it pours really light, and it's oh, it's really smooth. It drinks pretty light too. I gotta say, like you don't feel that uh, that big bittery, you know, like double IPA taste and, and heaviness that you can get. 
They're using Galaxy and Citra hops. Um, lots of flavor, lots of good uh, you know IPA smell and taste, but none of that that bitterness you get at the end sometimes. So, good well stuff. done, Foley Brothers. And when we picked it up, the person at the at the place we picked it up said this is their first uh, beer that they started uh, canning, which is good. Really? So they just broke into it because everybody else is canning up there, and you know people are going to collect it. So. They figured, you know, why don't we start canning too? Can yeah, they were on showing it? on their uh, their Facebook page. They have uh, pictures of the cases of of Prospect. Nice. So yeah, they're uh, they're doing an awesome job. Pretty Everything nice. I've had from them has been awesome too. So yeah, if you're up nice. there, check them out. It was a nice find that we got. Um, and then the other one that we have today is we have the Lawson's Finest Liquids Super Session Number Two. So mm. we couldn't find any Sip of Sunshine, which is one of our favorites, but. The set, super session number two is like the 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 other sip of sunshine. It's it's kind of just a wrench back a little bit. It's like the the all day sip of sunshine. It's like if you take a heady topper and you turn it into a focal banger, it kind of mellows it down a little bit. It's kind of like what this does with the. Uh, well, I think the super session is a lot more mellow. It is. It is. I mean, it's it's an all it's a session IPA, so you can have a couple of these instead of like two and be on the floor. Right. Like it's you 4. would. Four point eight percent, so it's not bad. It's like a regular drinking beer. Very light. Uh, very. Has that sip of sunshine flavor, uh, and it's light, so it's kind of a sip of sunshine you can sip all day. Yeah, like it. Mm -hmm. Super session number two. If you find it, a lot of times they don't have any limits, so it was like Hurricane Katrina. I got like you know three <laughs> six packs, and I'm running out of there. Like they're not stopping me, so it's kind of fun. And it's actually a six pack too, because a lot of those are usually only four packs. Yeah. So get them while you can. It's worth. It's it's a good bargain. Let's put it that way. Nice. Um, so we're hitting the New Year hard with quality beers for you guys. Quality beers. That's yes. right. No, no crap in this. No in crap this on tap. No crap on tap. Uh, right. Well, next we got. There it is. It's Frank's Bean of the Week. Now, Frank, we know that you were a little bit upset about the lack of podcasts last week. I know you had some alternative audio uh he blasted us. Full blast. I like it. You had to go in a very painful direction for uh, for audio stimulation, and we're terribly sorry about that. Um, so he had to service himself, <laughs> if you will. If you will. So because of all of the beans of the week, we were inspired by Frank. And while we were out in Seattle during Ski Bum Week, we uh, we decided to go out and, and partake in some of the recreational goodies that were available. So one of the ones that we came across was a particular strain called God's Gift. And uh, God's Gift, man, what it is, it's a strain that became popular in California dispensaries in 2005, man. It contains flavors of grape, citrus, and hash. Its parents are Granddaddy Purple and OG Kush. Granddaddy Purple? Yeah, no purple, matter, like the no matter what you believe, no matter what your belief system, this strain is a gift with its strong THC content of 18 to 22 percent. Now, this is an uh, an indica strain, and we partook of this through a vaporizer. And all I can tell you is, within five minutes, the three of us that partook in it were giggling hysterically. Laughing our asses off. We were laughing our asses off at everything, and yeah. then. Probably 15 minutes later, we were all dead asleep. <laughs> it was like it was like a bomb hit, like on the couch, like on a chair. People were just like passed out. It was pretty funny. Yeah, I, I think was, I woke up like three hours later and went to the, went to sleep. Oh, it was glorious. I mean, I've I don't think I've laughed. Well, <laughs> a couple of weeks, a couple of days before when we had the uh, the blue uh, was it blue dream? 
Blue Dream, yeah. I, there was some a lot of giggling going on there too, but this stuff was uh, was fantastic. Again, good for sleep, good for pain, and makes you laugh a lot. So I like that. I like, highly recommend that. It was good that we we really um, so we went to a few places, a few dispensaries, and they were very helpful. And it was good, you know. Don't be afraid to say what you what you're looking for, because that really led us to some of these good finds that we wanted. Yeah, and the one we had to leave behind because there's no way you can't bring that stuff on a plane. How dare you? Why would you ever even think to do something like that? So we had to leave some stuff behind, and our friend Nick and his uh, his lovely wife Liz, they were they were the lucky beneficiaries of us buying a bunch of stuff and not being able to bring it home. And uh, we, we got some word that they partook in this weekend. The uh, Was it Bruce Banner? Bruce Banner. <laughs> they said, so we were talking to the lady in the dispensary. She's like, <laughs> This just came and it sells out all the time, and they didn't even have it out on the floor. They're like, it's it's just behind the counter because it was that sold out. So we got we got a little bit of that and we left it behind. And rumor has it, from the feedback we got, it was pretty damn. It was awesome. more Incredible Hulk than Bruce Banner, apparently. Nice, yeah. like that. Packed a wallop. So well, I was talking. Well, when we were talking before. I was like, it would be great to drink Incredible Hulks while partaking in Bruce Banner. That'd be awesome. It would be very meta, and I'm not sure what sort of results you would have. That would be like a hangover. Day. It would be an experiment. You know, that would be an experiment. It would be like the hangover. You got to look at the pictures the next day because it would go down. <laughs> <laughs> shit would go down. It's quite possible. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Frank, thank you for inspiring us. And the, the God's gift was definitely uh, appropri appropriately uh, named. Yeah. Apropos? Apropos. Arapaho. A basin, boom. We're back to <laughs> see, and that leads us right into ski news. That's how we do it here, boom. folks. We are professionals. So first off, now we were all talking about Whistler a lot before we did our uh, our ski bum week out there, and now we're starting to get psyched up for our little trip to Utah. Boom. So first what story, do you do when you come back from Whistler, get ready to go to Utah. Well, see, that's the thing. People often get depressed when they come home from vacation. Just look forward. You to have it. to think of it. You are not. Your vacation may be over, but you're one day closer to your next vacation. Boom. See? That's the way you have to think about Just things. Keep it going. Just yeah, gotta man. Keep it going. You got to keep things positive. This is why we kind of, we had to recover after Ski Bum Week because we went hard and we know we got a lot of other stuff planned. Well, right so. back into it. Right back in. So we got to get ready. So yeah, that we, uh, we're uh, we getting ready. So one thing we came across, now there's this program they have out uh, through Ski Utah. There's the Monster Dump Program. Monster Dump. So, what that means is um, there is a, a store out there called Ski and Sea. They have 12 locations in the Salt Lake City area. So, if you purchase two Monster Energy beverages at Ski and Sea, when Ski Utah has declared a Monster Dump, you will receive a free one day Rosignol powder day demo day or day following a Monster Dump. Wow. Yes. And if you were to go onto Ski Utah site, so a monster dump is defined as when one of Utah's 14 resorts display 12 plus inches for their 24 hour total. So if you were to go onto the website right now, you would see that Deer Valley, Beaver Mountain, Brighton, and Powder all have more than 12 inches in the last 24 hours. So you could just roll up to Ski and Sea, buy two monsters, and get a free day of Rosignol demos. That's awesome. We, well, in Whistler, were both demoing the Rosignol Soul 7s, they and they were, they were fun skis. But now, if you had a powder day, you can get the, the, uh, the fatter, the Super 7s, which are, I think, uh, 
those are 116 underfoot. Wow. We had 106, right? 100. Yeah, those are 106. Yeah. It's cool, too. On the Ski Utah site, they have on the side there, uh, the sidebar, they have recommended gear for today's conditions. And they have oh, the, nice. the Super 7 HD as their uh, ski of choice and the XV Magtech as their snowboard of choice. So a lot of good info if you're good enough to Utah. So check that out. Um, Monster Dump, be aware. And you can get a free day of demos, which is pretty cool. I like that. It's pretty good. SkiUtah.com slash snow report. Snow report. Yep. Next one, I know how you like your data. You want to talk about the next one? No, no. This is You got this bad boy. All right. So um, On the Snow did an infographic of the Western Storm Totals by <coughs> Resort. Uh, and it's pretty cool because they actually take... Uh, the, to the snow totals, and they equate them to people of a normal size and people of freakish size. So they did one of, like, you know, um, how the snowfall measures against an average human. Um, and then they did another one of how the snowfall measured against Shaquille O'Neal. So it's kind of cool to see the, the different uh, infographic. But, you know, for example, they're talking about, you know, 40 inches from snow mass all the way up to 83 inches of Squaw Valley, which would be just over this average person. They have a, a lady there dressed up in her ski gear. would be over her head, almost covering her skis that she's carrying, Yep. Uh, which is pretty interesting to see. So, you know, if you're looking at, you know, some of your favorite places, I know Wolf Creek is favorite to our buddy Nick. Yeah, 57 inches. 57 inches they've had. I mean, mm -hmm. and that's a seven-day snowfall. That is incredible this year. Um, I'm surprised that Telluride isn't listed on here. They've got Wolf Creek, they've got um, Crested Butte, Aspen, but no mention of Telluride. That's yeah. just not right. It's the same right. Maybe yeah. Telluride didn't, I don't know, they didn't want to put their totals in. I guess. Yes, yeah, so they're showing Yeah, this lady, it was like 5'5 like five five ish, 5'6, five <laughs> holding her skis on her shoulder, um, is about near the top of. About 83 inches is where's like you know, Shaq's actual height. Yeah. At seven foot one. That's awesome. It'd be right at the tip of, of Shaq's head. So yeah, so Squaw had like one Shaq worth of snow. One Shaq. We got one Shaq today in the last seven days. Uh, Wouldn't it be cool if we were living in a time where that's how much snow would normally fall and we have to start measuring things in Shaq's? In Shaq's. That's right. It's it's two shacks. Dude, there was two shacks of snow last night. It was three crazy. Half, we got three and a half shacks so far this year. <laughs> Be awesome. I think we should start doing that. Measure powder and check. I think we should just convert everything. Because think about like a yard. We can go up with a yard. Four you know? foot. Three it feet. Based on the king's foot, right? That's the yeah. Idea. It's very arbitrary. Well, they still use stone. One shack. How many stone do you weigh? I don't know. It's a, no some clue. crazy. You weigh like five stones or whatever. I don't Maybe you, bro. <laughs> you, bro. <laughs> All I know is like the strongest man competition, they measure shit in stones. And I'm like, I don't know. This guy, Magnus, is picking up this car and they're saying it's how many stones. I'm like, yeah. Whatever, it's just some crazy, you know, it's like shacks, measuring shacks. we got to start measuring shacks from that one, I think. <laughs> That's great. All right, we're going to start, uh, shack is what, 80, 85 inches? Seven foot one, yeah, 85 inches. 85, okay, so we're going to have to measure stuff in shacks. Pretty much. That's our, <laughs> we're going to make that an official unit of measurement That's on the Skeeva podcast Skiba now. podcast, everything's measured in shacks. It's, it looks like their base right now is one and a half shacks. <laughs> That's pretty good. <laughs> They're doing all right. We got to do that. We're going to see if Shaq will let us uh, market that. Yeah, now these totals are, you know, they're pretty crazy for the last seven days. You know, 83 inches. That's only seven days. That's ridiculous. But do you remember uh, 
Nick forwarded that email. Powder Magazine sent out a uh, a the note. Right? It was like uh, some sort of like Nordic Viking blast of weather, and they were saying that Mammoth could get 15 feet of snow. That's what they were originally saying possibly yeah. would well, would fall. Because they were running through the models, and they were saying if everything were to work out, because you know they do the models and they and uh, it's all what ifs, like you know. So if they did the ultimate what if, they were saying it could be like 15 feet of snow one in one. Just big storm. Yeah, something completely ridiculous. Um, yeah, I'm trying to find where that. Uh, I got that same email, and it was from uh, from Powder last week. Here we go. I just found it. The hydraulic hammer of the gods. They were hydraulic saying. Hydraulic hammer. I like that. Yeah, they were saying that it could be. It could have been 15 feet possibly, um, but you know, we all get a little excited sometimes, and you know, they said the yeah, mammoth predicting 12 to 16 feet in the upper mountain. Uh, didn't quite get that much, but actually, was, was Mammoth even listed on that that chart? Uh, I thought they were. Mammoth. So they were saying it could get what fifteen feet? Mammoth got forty-one. Wow. That's not even four feet. See, that's a, that's a harsh prediction. That you know, if you're expecting that and you get that, that hurts. That's uh, a third. Point, that's if they got fifteen feet. That's two point one shacks. They, they they didn't get close to that. They got half a shack. They got half a shack. They got half a shack. It's the same. Two point one shacks. Yeah. Like so from that. two point one shacks to half a shack, that's kind of that's a big drop. That's a big drop. Yeah. Yeah. That's where they 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 got to put that into the model. So they have like the European model, they have the American model, and then they have the Skiba model, and like we can measure everything in shacks. That's true. Or the shack model. We we give you know credit to shack. <laughs> the shack model. Just we'll call it the diesel model. <laughs> shack diesel. Shack. That's right. Yeah, Shaq Diesel. That was his uh, yeah. his rap album. Oh. Don't you remember his, his album, No Hooks? We don't need no hooks. I'm trying to Hit with the Fushnickens? I'm trying to figure Come out. Come on, man. Fushnickens, I remember that. That was good stuff. Yeah. Shaq Fu? Shaq Fu. I remember Shaq Fu. I think Shaq Diesel was the first album, and then Shaq Fu was the second one. Did he trademark Shaq Fu? I think he did. Uh, he must have. <laughs> I'm going to look it up now. Is that like a legitimate martial art? I think it is. So you see like oh, Kung Fu and then Shaq Fu. Shaq Fu was a video game. Was it? That's right. It was, oh, a, yeah. it was for NES. Super, Super NES. NES and Genesis. Yeah. 1994. Shaq Fu. Shaq Fu.com. A legend reborn on Indiegogo. I gotta look at this. Oh no. <laughs> Somebody's got the Indi update new perk. A legend reborn. Is that oh, like a, yeah. new, a new game? I, I think it looks like it. Oh boy. Let's see. Update. Huge perks at massive discounts, final sale, blah, blah, blah. All right, lunch with Shaq. This is on Indiegogo? This is on Indiegogo. Nice. Oh, update perk. Okay, so they... Shaq Fu, a legend where Shaq Fu returns this time. It won't foo it up. <laughs> so <laughs> they, were, they wanted to raise $450,000. They raised $450,000. Uh, $458,000. Dude, you know Shaq has at least four hundred fifty grand, like, yeah. sitting in the back of one of his, like, uh, his Buicks he drives or whatever those <laughs> commercials he was in. So, two perks, they said, devour your lunch with Shaq. So you can actually <laughs> eat with Shaq at his location. Serious FaceTime of eating with Shaq. Um, and you could probably eat about 85 inches, probably, what, three pounds of food in one city. <laughs> um, and then, uh... Have lunch. Uh, the, the second perk was have lunch and a game of pick a basketball 
pick up basketball at Shaq's gym in his home. Hang out with the big man. <laughs> and then they have an updated new perk. Grab a limited edition Shaq Fu, a Legend Reborn Golden Super NES cartridge, signed by Shaquille O'Neal. Nice. Only 200 available. That's awesome. Well, look at that. And then you got to get the Super NES to play it on. <laughs> All right, so, you know, I was close. So the first album was Shaq Diesel, and then the second album was Shaq Fu Da Return. Oh. And that's the one that had no hook on it. <clears throat> no hook. <laughs> With Method Man. All right. We don't need no hook. Yeah. Nice. Uh, you know what? That was a simpler time back then. Bringing back. You used to have the kid and play haircut and everything. Shaq Fu. Remember you had your parachute pants. <laughs> you know what? I never partook in the parachute pants. Joey Buttafuoco pants? I never had those. I saw Joey Buttafuoco when we were working because he used to be on Long Island. And I remember him standing outside. We drove by his, uh, I think it was a car repair place that he ran. Mm -hmm. And he had those stupid... Uh, Zubaz? The like Zubaz gym pants? The, the Everlast. Like, he was the same. Like, the big-ass gym pants. And it was like, wow, he's really he really wears those all the time. I uh, I wanted a pair of Penguins Zubaz pants so bad. <laughs> but luckily, I had no money and couldn't find them. So I never got them. You're a better person for that. <laughs> I, I'm definitely better off that. I have $18 in my savings account now for back then. Think of how much... The douchebaggery would have spun out of control if you got those pants. Uh, you know what? I could have been a whole different person. You could have been just because of those pants. You could have been a non-skiing d-bag, just you know, hanging around town. All I do is just upper body all day, bro. Well, Every day, day, bro. Every day. In the gym, bro. I don't do legs, bro. <laughs> but no, my destiny was to come here and become a, a podcaster. That's right, and that's a beautiful thing. That's a ski bomb. That's that's where you learn. You didn't have money. Shack ski. Shack ski. Shack ski. The return. Ooh, the return. <laughs> All right, Brian. We really went off on a pretty epic tangent there. That's why this podcast gets so long because we just, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to disturb this flow. We get into this flow zone and we come up with ideas. And this is because a, we started measuring stuff in shacks. It's a unit of measure that I, that is in my head now. It's just like seagull stuff now. <laughs> oh God. There's shack measurement. There's there's shacks and there's stop it now seagulls with the bad lip reading. I think we should do it back like a bad lip reading of like some sort of shack stuff. Oh, we'll do the Shaq where is Shaq the genie? Where's the genie? Shazam! Lip, yeah, we'll do the Shazam and with the bad lip reading. On. Nice. That'd be awesome. We have a new project now. Remarket Shaq. <laughs> he got fat. I saw him on a commercial or I was like, damn, he's got a... Is anyone surprised by that? As an athlete, you always see the athlete. They stop working out as much. I mean, yeah, I they, they eat the same amount they had before, but they're not doing three hours of workouts every day. Yeah. You know, it'll happen. All right, so next story. <laughs> so now we're talking about all those epics that we have out in the, in the U.S. and the West, but in Europe, there is a drought, especially in France. So a drought could lead to a ban on snow cannons. Dozens of resorts in France may have to turn off their snow cannons by the weekend because of a drought. The Haute-Savoie region is now considering a ban. And... Um, yeah, it's so bad out there now that around 50 resorts, including the vast Port du Soleil, uh, Flaine, Chamonix, La Clouza, and Magavie, I'm pronouncing them terribly, I'm so sorry. I don't speak French. Um, it's non-shacks, that's what you say. Non-shacks <laughs> of snow. Yeah. So they, they said that a bunch of snow has been hitting the Alps finally, but that's hitting more in Switzerland and Austria, but it is leaving France uh pretty pretty desolate they're saying that some resorts in the region have had no snow since september wow. and now because oh that's no snow what is it 
Vadanej. Padanej. 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 Shaq Padanej. For, for our French-speaking people. Padanej. Padanej. Or, or no shack. No Merci. Um, yeah, they said it'd be the first time they'd have ever had to do that, that it's been this bad of a drought that they couldn't blow snow. That's crazy. Um, they have like a ban, like, ooh, you run your snow gammon. Yeah. You know something's going to run anyway. Yeah, they're saying they, uh, you know, they, they hit their reservoirs, but they've been severely depleted because of they used them heavily during the Christmas and New Year's holiday. So uh, now they're having uh, a tough time. That's why, like, the amount of water that are used in, in the snow cannons, like, because I know <clears throat> some of the resorts here in the east, you know, they blow a lot of snow, and they actually have to stop on certain, you know, they, they actually lease using the water from these reservoirs from a certain date to a certain date. So they like, I know Killington, they can't run guns after a certain date because they don't have the, I guess the rights to the, to take more water. It's pretty wild. Really? Yeah. So they actually have to stop blowing after a certain time, point in time, even huh. if the weather's cold, but. Interesting. But yeah, so hopefully you don't have any trips going out to Chamonix or anywhere in France now because it's going to be. That's a big region, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's looking pretty, uh, pretty desolate up there now, so. Go yeah. out west. Go up to uh, Utah and, and California. Come, you're come better to the off. US. Yeah, maybe, you're... maybe that's why we saw a lot of foreigners in uh, Whistler. There's always foreigners in Whistler. Padanage. Padanage. <laughs> we use that all the time. Padanage and nun shacks. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, so next up, we, there was a study that we found. Uh, story about a study uh, searching for the human factor in deadly avalanches this is important too because you know we've been talking and doing more like backcountry skiing so now as we have been doing that you know you obviously there's so much to learn and there's so many um you know so many things that you you probably don't think about until you're in that situation and this article kind of brought that to light with these studies yeah so they're talking about um jordy hendricks who is the, he's an earth science professor and director of the Snow and Avalanche Laboratory. I'm glad they have these laboratories, like stuff like that, um, at Montana State University. So he actually studied the geophysics of snow for a decade um, and then actually moved from studying snow and avalanche to studying the human behavior in backcountry, um, trying to understand, like, so even if you know what you're getting into, why do people still get caught in avalanches? Um, and... You know, he kind of, I think he, he partnered up or, or piggybacked on some other research that was uh, started. There was a, another study. Um, Jerry Johnson, professor of political science at Montana State, and they started a tract project in 2013. And what they do is they actually talk to uh, backcountry skiers and snowmobilers um, who record their slope movements and answer a bunch of surveys on their smartphones. So what they do is they collect all this data and they're trying to put together you know, uh, the risks that people take, when they take risks, when they don't take risks, just like the human, I guess like the the social psychology behind why people do what they do mm -hmm. and get into certain situations. So it's kind of interesting stuff that they started finding. So they're saying, you know, some evidence suggests larger groups make riskier decisions. I guess you feel a little safer, you're with people or something like that. Well, it's almost like that same study where if, you know, one, if you see someone getting assaulted, and you know you're the only other person who see it you're more likely to help but if it's like in a big city and there's hundreds of people going back and forth 
no one's going to help because they always assume someone else is going to. Yeah. It's well, almost like that. Why am I going to get involved? Somebody else will do it. You know? And yeah, with the, with the backcountry, it's like, oh, well, everyone else is going to be fine. We're all in this together. We'll be okay. You can't all get buried. Right. Well, yeah, you kind of can. <laughs> it could be 50 of you going to get buried. Yeah. The one thing that was amazed by is they say they have an 80% accuracy rate in avalanche forecasts. Yeah, that's pretty wild. I mean, that's that's really impressive. And that's a science getting like more honed in to, to being able to, you know, to say when there's going to be an avalanche and predict it. And but isn't that kind of what FatMaps does too? FatMaps does. They actually uh, aggregate the reports of when the avalanches, of the likelihood of avalanches, and they put it onto the map, which is really helpful. Yeah. Super helpful. That's a great app. If you guys haven't checked it out, Fat Maps. Yeah. They do these beautiful 3D imaging of mountains and they have all these avalanche reports and uh, you know, ratings and you know, descriptions. It's it's really well done. And we spoke to, you know, one of the gentlemen who worked there last year and uh, they're they're a really good good group of guys and uh, do great work. Yeah, they get it down to like military grade uh, geo uh, coding on like was it like down to like three feet or something like that of mapping out their the accuracy or their the proximity or something? Yeah, it's like military level grade of how close they're mapping everything. Mm -hmm. So they're telling you down to like three feet of what is there. Like if it's a, a cliff or a rock, or whatever. Like it, it's pretty accurate. Mm -hmm. And then they aggregate that other data in which. And if you've gone backcountry skiing with a guide, you know they get the paper report out usually. And they'll see, because they know the mountain, they're like, okay, such and such area, like they know where that area is. But if you're not from the area, you can see the, the, the report, the avalanche report. Mm -hmm. You don't physically know where that is unless you look at something like a fat map or, or try to look at some kind of map to see where that avalanche is, is prevalent. Yeah. So it's kind of cool. But yeah, they found all these different um, findings from it. And it's, it's just the characteristics. You know, they said like... Um, Expert people are, are more inclined to get into dangerous situations um, so because ex experts will choose steeper terrain. So it's kind of, you know, just looking at the human nature factor in getting caught in an avalanche, not whether or not an avalanche is going to happen. So pretty interesting stuff. Well, look how many big-name skiers have, have died in avalanches. Olympians, big-name skiers. Yeah, they think, you know. When all the time. You get you you have that confidence and you're willing to take bigger risks, and you know like, like this article talks about young all male groups take more risks. Yeah, you know. Well, even uh, our buddy Nick was saying because he goes to Wolf Creek all the time, they're gonna put in, and we I think we saw a story on it. They're gonna put in a whole system of check in and making sure people have their avalanche gear when they go back country because people that go back country you can get easily. I guess desensitized to it and be like, oh, you know, it's like going right, bike riding without your helmet. Like, mm -hmm. oh, maybe I don't need my, uh, I'm only going to for a quick run. I don't need my beacon today, you know. Yeah. And that's the time you get caught in some avalanche or some crap, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Crazy. And that was he was saying too. Yeah, there was someone who died at Wolf Creek. I think it was last year, and it's the only reason they knew is because he went out alone, and they just saw his car in the parking lot yeah, abandoned. Yeah, like days late. No, I think it was months later. Oh. Like after in June, thaw, right? after yeah. the thaw, yeah. Crazy, man. Yeah, it's, it's it's not worth it, people. Well, that's another thing. You think, oh, I do it all the time, and you go by yourself. <clears throat> yeah, you can go by yourself, but it's really a lot safer to go with at least, you know, one or two other people. Also, too, like tree wells. You tree know, wells. like that. that's that's always a problem. Um, 
yeah, yeah. it's it's always always have a buddy and always check in and check out that seems to be you know some of the most basic things that you can do yeah but there's a uh, there's... a lot of people don't know about tree wells like i heard about tree wells but yeah. then when we were out in in whistler there were a bunch of deaths in the area so we were like we heard about it and i was like okay let's let's dig a little bit more into it and then finding out about it i was like it's pretty terrifying oh yeah it's a bad way to go horrible way to go especially if you you know go your ski get caught and you just go in head first oh. and you have too much powder and you can't move like that's you got all the powder but now you can't move yeah Horrible. Torture, yeah. And that's the Avalon that he was talking about. Mm-hmm. Now I need to get an Avalon. Yeah, right. It's my next my next purchase. It's going to be, oh, Backcountry is having a sale today. Um, Doesn't it suck that <laughs> all the stuff that will keep you alive is like super expensive and not as fun? Like yeah. the airbag and the Aqualung. And you're dropping like, you know, two grand for that stuff. And you're like, yeah, but it's not as fun as buying a new pair of skis. Or... What if you go skiing in a damn space suit? Whole environment suit. You get trapped under full thing. body airbag. You get trapped under the under the snow. You got like I don't know five hours of oxygen. <laughs> you just chilling out. Yeah. Big you know flare guns. So they know where to find you. That's just right. fire them up. Just yeah. Well, you see, last year at, at CES because that happened you know this week, and I don't know if there's anything like ski related. I haven't even looked into that yet. I haven't looked. There's so much. But going last on. year, Pac came out with that um, that vest. That detects if you're gonna get into a crash and like inflates. Oh, they use it for bikes too, right? I think so. Yeah, they had like an, it was like an inflate vest. That's crazy. To you know prevent serious injuries, so maybe something like that, almost like a bubble, like a full body airbag, just like turns into like one of those sumo, you know, like sumo wrestling outfits you can get into. Yeah. Like blow up to one of those. Just do it on the cheap. Just get a sumo outfit and just wear just it ski out. in that. Boom, ski in that. That's right on the outside. You wear costumes. That's so true. just have like your costume blow out. Yeah. Be great. Yeah, I'm looking for Avalon. I'm not seeing any. Damn it. Damn it. So. <laughs> All right, next up. Another uh, another lift mishap has occurred. And <laughs> this one was out in, in Utah again. And it was at the Sundance Resort above Provo Canyon on Monday. And it was uh, this this boy, and I guess his backpack got stuck in the lift, and he was hanging off and was dangling from this chairlift. And luckily, Ski Patrol was able to get up there, get a ladder, and set him free. But so they have video of it. You know, they stopped the lift, and you know, they uh, someone behind him took a video of it. And for that kid, man, it must have been just terrifying i mean he wasn't up that high he was probably like 10 15 feet up it's gonna be terrifying that you're stuck you're like you can't like you just can't go anywhere yeah and then you don't know if you're gonna fall or if you're if you're gonna just stay there until somebody rescues you it's crazy yeah he wasn't injured though they were able to get him down but they were uh they're saying that they're advising against wearing backpacks on chairlifts there were some resorts for a while i know um mountain creek used to do it where you weren't allowed to wear backpacks on certain lifts yeah, they made you take it off. They made you take it Wear off. Wear it in front, yeah. It used to piss me off like crazy, but yeah. I understand I understand why, you know, if it gets caught, but I don't know. Not a good thing. So I've yeah. gotten stuck on I've gotten it stuck. But I, I usually, you know, sometimes if I don't put like the bottom buckle on mm-hmm. my backpack, that will stick and it will it will kind of fall behind on the chair. But I usually buckle it up like when I'm on the chair, I'm like, Oh, I'm not buckled up and I it, yeah, I uh, I had a problem one time, but I had a, a non-ski specific backpack and it kind of got lodged in there and I kind of like thrust myself a little further forward and kind of launched off the lift. Jeez. But 
that was like one time many years ago, but the last couple of years, like I guess now I have a ski specific one. It's a little bit taller and it's kind of not as thick and not as deep. Mm. And I haven't had any problems yet, so. I think it's the loose, all the loose stuff. You know, if you have loose dangling stuff. Yeah, you can't have that. You got to have everything strapped up and tight and then you're you're less likely. Because what happened to me the one time is it was the backpack kind of tucked itself into the bars behind it. Uh-huh. So by leaning back, it got wedged within the two, the top and bottom bar in the back of it. And mm. that's what caused the issue. But I was able to, you know, had enough strength to kind of pull myself out of it. If you're going to mess with your buddies, you're tying to if you want to be a complete dick, you could do that. Yeah, you got to sit there and they go around. They got to ride. Like Dumb and Dumber. He's got his tongue stuck to the thing, going keep, around in circles. Keep riding the lift all day. Yeah. Awesome. All right, so Londonderry, Vermont. Next one we have. Uh, they're going to do a a sculpture to honor Burton. Uh, That's cool. The Burton snowboard history. So a lot of people don't know that um, Jake Burton Carpenter. He started uh, his factory in a little baby town of Londonderry, Vermont. Um, he actually was from Long Island, like, like everybody thinks, oh, he's from California, like surfer guy, whatever, like, he was really from the, the Northeast, you know? East Coast. East Coast. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but yeah, you know, Massachusetts, Vermont, like, he was all over. And then, and then he went, uh, you know, out to, uh, the other coast and Midwest and stuff. But, um, I guess there's a, a guy, uh, a snowboarder from Colorado uh, who's also an artist, and he came up with the idea, reached out to somebody from the Historical Society, and they have a, a, a drawing of what this sculpture is going to look like. It looks pretty cool. I don't know if you saw it. It's like a, almost like a, like a, uh, like a figure eight, like a eternity thing almost looking, and they have like, it's almost like little images of, of Burton on a snowboard, like doing like tricks around this like, design it's pretty cool looking it's really cool yeah it's definitely worth checking out yeah it, you, so they're gonna do it which is really cool so mm-hmm. pretty nice yeah It'd be cool to go and see right oh definitely yeah another thing in vermont because in vermont there's a ton of stuff to just drive around and see that's that's what they that's breweries covered bridges and that's something else to check out too it's cool when they show the uh all those crazy old snowboards from the 70s and early 80s yeah. Just how you know how different they looked. You know, the... It really was more like a surfboard that just kept changing and changing. It's almost like just a ski. Like the tip. Like it was more like a ski, just yeah. wider. Well, with all the snow that they're getting out west, yeah, it would be cool to just like have a strap on, like like what they have here. You see the 1979 one with the little strap that you hold on to? Yeah. Have that on a regular surfboard. Like a full-size surf. I mean... They're getting, you know, five shacks of snow. You could you could have a surfboard. That's true. That'd be kinda cool. Well there was that one dude, wasn't it, in one of the was it one of the Warren Miller movies where the guy had the uh the bindingless snowboard? Yes. Out of somewhere out of Utah. He's out of Utah. Mm-hmm. He makes them. Yeah, that was really cool. I think what do we call it? It's a, it's not a free ride snowboard, it's a free uh free platform or something like that. Um Yeah, that was pretty cool though. That would I wonder if that would work if you that much snow. Like, I wonder if those are better with a little bit of snow or a lot of snow. Yeah, I don't know. I would think a little snow because if a lot of snow, if you had, if you weren't strapped in, you if you you could lose that board so easily. Yeah. Right. I think you gotta have like, I don't know. There's probably gotta be certain conditions, steepness, good powder, whatever. Like, because you gotta really stay on that thing. Yeah. 
All right, and then I think our last story of the uh, ski news, uh, this is from a couple weeks ago, but we figured we'd still report on it. So judge rules that Bodie Miller is disqualified um, if he uses his own bomber skis. Crazy. So, yeah, so California judge, um, our U.S. District Judge David Carter, ruled that his Santa Clara, California court had no jurisdiction in the matter. Um, but Miller, as a California... Miller is a California resident, but Head, which argues that Miller signed a non-compete clause clearly prohibiting from competing on any other brand of skis before the end of the 2017 season, is based in Austria. So that seems a little, I guess there was an issue with uh, the jurisdiction and, you know, what, what could apply and what didn't apply. Right. Um, but it's said that he uh, either has to ski on head skis this year or not ski at all. I mean, he has a contract, right? That's... We were talking about that before. I mean, yeah, you kind of open up if, if you say it's okay for him to do that. You open it up for everybody else to. Yeah, He's mad Russian, sure. He had plans to ski on his new bomber, his company's bomber skis, um, but uh, he he claims that it was corporate oppression, and um, you know that he uh, didn't want to <laughs> ski on them. I guess he was he the way he was talking about it is like he said he retired, and then since he was reinstated. He thought he was out of the contract and could just be on his bomber skis and full tilt boots, but uh, apparently not so much. Well, it comes down to his contract too. Like he's mm-hmm. got to think about that next time he signs a contract. That well, you know, I have to have a clause to be able to get out of it if I retire. And, you know. Yeah, and I guess too. You know, he when he uh, was injured in 2015, I guess he was part of that was too. He was like, I'm done with head skis at this point. You know, I was injured, and you know, we should we should be done. But apparently that's not the way the court sees it. Yeah, so they upheld that. That's pretty wild. Well, yeah. he's got a he's either on head or he's not skiing, right? Yeah, that's the way it looks. At least through uh twenty seventeen. Yeah. That's just one year. Yeah. But again, he's forty this year, so Yeah. It's uh rest up. Not like time is on his side. I know he was doing some of the um FIS commentary. Oh, was he? Yeah, this this season. So I guess instead of skiing, he's just doing the commentating. It's good. Get money some other way, right? He's uh, he's going to be doing all right. Wouldn't worry about Bodie too much. All right. So I looked it up, and it's powder surfing. Powder surfing. Okay. So powdersurf.com. It's a grassroots powder surfing. They have really cool-looking boards, and basically they have to have a lot of powder, and you just go. And so you need a lot of powder. You want a lot of powder, yeah. Oh. Is there any sort of like a runaway strap that it has? Uh, well, the ones that they show the pictures of, no. There's nothing. I feel like you would need one of those, right? You'd want one, right? I would think so, yeah. Walking and hiking to try to get that, especially in powder. So one day we were in, uh, up at Killington, and we were in the, the stash, the terrain park, and all of a sudden that freaking ski just went flying past us. <laughs> it's like a torpedo. There's no break holding that thing down. It's nope. Flying. Gone. Well, there's no, there's nothing for the brake to dig into because it's kind of icy, so it's just flying on the ice. Plus, too, if you crash and you don't fully, like, say your uh, your din is set really low and you just pop out of it, yeah. so the, it's still engaged and the brake isn't all the way down, it's just going to do exactly. I think it's a little bit, it was like uh, Clark Griswold in, uh, yeah. Christmas vacation with the saucer sled. <laughs> Boom. That was awesome. Still going now, probably that ski. Yeah, that's right. Everybody stopped. They were hanging out. Oh my god, I think just launched. 
was great. Got to freaking blunt your Achilles if it hit you though. Yeah, like because we thought about. Like, I think we both like talked about it after. We both thought about like trying to stop it. I'm like, no, that thing's gonna just we're gonna hurt ourselves. But if you got hit it. by that, that would mess you up. Yeah, I think I tried to put the pole out or something, but yeah, didn't do anything. Yeah. Oh well. Oh well. Sorry, dude. Sorry, dude. So uh, yeah, that wraps up the ski news for the week. So now we're gonna be on to our main topic. I don't have my vine hooked up. That's the main topic music right there. Main topic going. So All right. What is our main topic today? We're calling it It's a Sure Thing. All right. And why is that? Why is that? Well, so during Ski Bum Week, uh, Brian, that's me, I ran into some technical difficulties with my my ski boots. What? I've had them for about, you know, three and a half seasons, and uh, I, I just started getting this extreme pain in my right, like my right um, instep. It was the instep and the uh, arch, and it's just the bottoms of my feet which is killing me. And I was suck it up, man. I was suck trying to, I was trying to, but every time I turned, it just it was extreme pain. It wasn't like just boots hurt in general. Just deal with it. It was just the wrong kind of pain. Hmm. So I decided to check out the fine folks at Surefoot and see what they were all about. We talked about it a couple weeks ago. Their uh, their memory foam. That they have for their uh, their boots and the custom you know custom footbeds and the custom boot liners that they had and uh, went through that whole process and it was a cool experience and it actually was over about two days that I did it so the first time I went in there you know I got kind of the heads up on the cost of course but it was cool they bring you in and they they put you on a, a platform and it measures where your foot where your um, your like the points of pressure are yeah. yeah like where your pressure points are where you put the most amount of weight on your feet so they have like a diagram it's almost like a heat map so the the red parts are where most of the weight is and then it goes to like yellow orange yellow green blue where it's you know less of a less weight is on there and based on that they can kind of start you know being like what kind of skiing do you do what kind of booty looking for and can get you into a boot that way well, actually, that little machine they had had little pins on it, right? And when they came up, you're you're stepping on it, and they put the pins up. That's actually what they used to create the um, the footbed, the, the contoured custom footbed. Okay. So that was the measurement they needed. It actually stores in the computer, and they cut it from that. Okay. So yeah, the pins. It's almost like those. Um, if you go to, like the sharper image, I don't know if they still have them, but it's you can. It's almost like a, yeah, like a set of you know maybe what thousand pins. And you put your hand into it, and it has the outline of your hand. It was similar to that, but there was was there air pressure too? It comes up from the ground, like so. It like comes up with like low <coughs> pressure, and I guess the computer reads like where that is and, mm -hmm. and what the contour is from that. So it's it weird. It's not like the pins are up and you step on it, which I've done some footbed things where you have like foam and you step in it, you make your impression. Yeah. This is you're just standing there, and then that those pins come up, and that's what the that's the impression that is used for your footbed. Right. So yeah, so they with the so they measured it the pressure, but they also created the footbed with that. And then, you know, the, the one of the cool things they do too is they kind of analyze your foot. And you know, I know a lot of times if you look at boots online, I I was I had a pair of boots in mind that I wanted to get. I wanted something that was more of a, you know, it was uh, in resort downhill boot, nice and stiff, but also, you know, had uh, hike walk for you know boot packing and more backcountry and i was looking at the technica um, coaches pro 130s 
So that's what I wanted to get. And I know I've always seen on the websites they have usually that boot and they have like an LV, which is the low volume. So that's like your, uh, your foot if you have kind of a more... So if you look at your foot from Bigger the side, foot. it was like less dense. You know, I guess that's... that's the way yeah, you if you have it. a high volume, you have like a fatter foot. If you have a taller. Volume, taller. So right. it's almost like your foot is shorter. Yeah. Looking at it from the side. From the side, yeah. Yeah, so I found Not out... fat wide, fat Fat tall, tall yeah. yeah. So I found out with this analysis that I have a high volume foot. So I need something that was... Like built a sausage. <laughs> More really like a hobbit foot okay. <laughs> than a sausage, yeah. So, again, things that you really would never know because you don't really compare feet with your friends unless you're a weirdo. I don't know. Maybe you are. Although I did find out I have a high volume foot as well. There you go. So they actually were like, hey, you know what? If you like those Technicas, um, they had those, and I tried them on, but they also had a pair of Langs that were similar, the XT130 Free Tours. And I was like, oh, these are really green. Okay, cool. I'll check a look at those. And it turned out, after trying both of those pairs on for, uh, I don't know, they, they put you in there for like 10 minutes each. You know, you kind of move them around. They take the, the uh, boot liner out and put you in, in the actual shell. And they do a couple different, you know, measurements and tests. And, and I ended up, that ended up being the more comfortable boot for me. So I went with the, uh, the Lang XT-130s. Those were the boots that I got. And... Um, Again, you, you know, they, they picked that boot for me. It felt good. And then there was the whole process of the custom liner. And that was the coolest part because they have, you know, the basic liner and it has these three hoses that are attached to it. So they put it in the, the boot and they have this mixture that they have. Uh, it's like two different materials, right? It's a chemical mixture. They when they, As soon as they put it together, like it's two liquids. Shake it up and then... The reaction happens. Right, and it starts reacting and foaming. And they get it, it starts injecting into your foot and and they just it, you know, it pumps in there and they have you standing on it's almost like a dip machine like you know, like if you do dips at the gym, um, there's like the bars on the side, but your feet are aimed they're aimed up. Um, so you kinda have to hold them on the side and your feet are, are aimed up because they want you to put as much pressure down and to the back of your foot as possible so you get the most custom fit when the uh, the foam starts to cool and dry right so you're in there for like 10 minutes or so and you just first you feel all this pressure just squeezing at your foot um, and that's they say that's you know what's supposed to happen uh, you stay because in there just forcing so they, they have these custom liners that I guess the, the, the tubes are already set in there mm-hmm and like the channels that are in the, the channels are built into the the, yeah. the boot the it, boot liner it's their own they, they manufacture their own liner <coughs> and they make it so that it has the tubes and everything ready to do the injection mm-hmm. which is pretty neat yeah and besides that so yeah they do that and you wait for a few minutes and you that's how you get that custom uh boot liner but then they also you know they when they're analyzing your feet um i know i i needed three parts of the boot blown out mm-hmm. because of the the shape of my foot Wow. So the by the instep, both my insteps on the inside, and then um, another part up top on my right foot that all got blown out. So they do all that there, and then also when they were doing the custom boot liner, there was a part uh, again on my right in not instep the um, uh, the arch. They had me put an extra piece of like they oh, taped right. they taped yeah. on a piece of padding onto my arch 
so I get a little more room in there when they were doing the custom footbed. So yeah, it, it was it was just really, you know, amazing to see all the different little intricacies and spots where they can give you that that custom fit that you know a lot of times you just think I'll just get these boots. This is my size. Yeah, make it happen. Whatever. One size does not fit all. No, sure. and it's again, it's such a you know, it's one of those sports where the boot is pretty much like ninety five percent of uh, of of what you need. If you have an uncomfortable boot, it's going to be a miserable day for you. Well, let's just say if you get shoes, you, you can get <laughs> you know, so they they make enough shoes like you get running shoes. They look at how you run, pronated, not pronated, like in, and they put you into a pair of shoes. But the shoes are they're they're made out of something that's pliable. Mm -hmm. A boot is those boots are you know, cast like they're they're hard plastic. They're not gonna, they're not gonna stretch and bend unless they heat them up and, and mold them. Yeah. You know, so that's why like you had to have the, the boot blown out. Um, I actually saw you getting your boots, and I was like, you know what? I've been having problems with my boots are comfortable as hell, but once I wrench them up by midday, uh, my ankle is just in pain because, you know just the boot presses down and it's just uh i, I guess i probably always needed that the ankle blown out because i have very like pronounced ankles mm -hmm. um so that was the one thing they had to do uh on mine so i also got so you get near like, yeah, you know <laughs> what do you have running for a deal and you know talking to the guy and so i kind of got i got the lang xt's you got the, the um the free tours the free tours mm -hmm. i didn't get the free tour i got the, the regular and um they had to blow up my ankles, so both of my ankles, and they fit well now. I can I can tell definitely that there's there's no problem with the ankles, but they had to give. I mean that's the other thing too. When they measure your foot, they they tell you well this boot would work better for you. Like the free tour, they said was going to be a little bit more narrow, and they said well since I need a little bit blown out on the ankle, mm -hmm. getting the regular uh, XT 130s would give me a little bit more room. So they'd still blow it out, but I'd have more padding all around. So that's kind of why I went with that one. Okay. But I also didn't have, like you had, I guess the ones that I got, it would have been harder for you to do the adjustments that you needed to, like, the other part of the boot than the, the one that you got because it was, like, I guess different, different shape, different dimensions, you know. Yeah, it was good because it was the type of boot I wanted, but also, yeah, it, the most important thing was how my foot fit around that one and again they can make the adjustments that i needed with that boot and you know again with the coaches that i was looking at they said they could have done it but it's been a lot more work right to get it to fit my foot than this this line yeah and, and that was a thing too like they said yeah we could do it but now we're really trying to work on the boot to make it fit where the other one fits better mm -hmm. you know so it's kind of better that you went with that one yeah and, uh, you know, I've, I've skied on them two days so far, and uh, i got to tell you, the first day, the amount of – I was in more pain than I ever have been in um, on the outsides of my uh, my feet. Um, but then the second day, I left my two bottom buckles completely undone, and it was awesome. Hmm. So now one of the – now there's two main reasons why I decided to go with Surefoot. One is that we were in Canada and the exchange rate was awesome. Yeah. So the prices, you know, the price in U.S. dollars and Canadian dollars are the same. So if these boots are $7.99 in Canada, they're $7.99 in the U.S. So if you're getting that exchange rate, you're already knocking off 30%. Um, That's great. Yeah. yeah, and when you're making that sizable of a purchase, it makes a big difference. 
Well, plus when whenever you go anywhere, like you're not going to get even if they were to give you thirty percent off on the boot. Let's say it's end of your closeout or whatever, you get a deal on the boot. Sometimes that will happen. They're not going to give you a deal on their services because they go through the whole fitting, and that usually is never. They're not going to discount because they're not making as much on that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of you got thirty percent off on that because of the exchange rate too, which yeah. is kind of cool. Yeah, there's that, and then also the other reason is that you know Surefoot they um, they don't. You know, if they they do the boot for you, you can have it adjusted and done. You know, everything's included going forward. So any you know updates or you know if they have to make any adjustments, that's already included in the price. And there is a Surefoot at our home mountain in Killington. So if we need anything updated, you know, you do a you ski for a couple times. You know, you know this is bothering me. Right off the mountain, you can go right to the shop and tell them exactly where it hurts, where the pain is, and they'll take care of it right there. Yep. And that's important because and a lot there's of, one in New York, Manhattan. There's one in Manhattan. Um, you know, most of the big, the big ski towns do have them too. Um, but in other places that we uh, we usually ski at, like Killington, they have one right there. So that makes it, that made it like a kind of a, a no brainer. Yeah. To try that out. And I tell you, the walk, <clears throat> the walk mode is awesome on those. It's nice, right? It is. It is a joy. I wish so. Like it's that we are. We went, we did a whole bunch of hiking, 45-minute hike, 30-minute hike, little hikes here and there, all all week that we're there. And we decide the last day that we're there, we're not doing any more skiing or hiking, let's get the boots. That's when we back. get the boots, yeah. That's when we Should have been the first goddamn day. God damn it. Yeah, that's how we learn. Well, that's because we're like, we're like thinking like through like, well, maybe. And then at the end of the trip, we're like, why, why didn't we just do it? Yeah. And we just, whatever. That's how we learn. And one thing, um, if you are going to do it, it, it does take a lot of time. Yeah, they'll tell you, well, part of the problem too is it, it's a small shop. They didn't have a lot of people <clears throat> on staff and it takes a long time to do it. It's shorter, like they give you the estimate, but that's the estimate if they don't have to do anything else. Mm-hmm. When they have people coming into the shop, they want to take care of everybody. So they're trying to jumble between multiple people and then that kind of throws off the time yeah it can easily take two to three hours yeah for the whole process so if you're going to do it make sure you uh allocate some time but you know the time you spend there will benefit you in the long run because you will get that custom fit and that custom boot that you need to uh to be your to be the best you can be out there on the slopes yeah very important so yeah it's definitely expensive and it definitely takes a lot of time but if you are hardcore and you want to, you know, get the best you possibly can get, that's that's the way to go. Yeah, I'll probably keep the other ski boots. I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I'm going to keep mine around for a little bit, yeah. I, I want to get the ankles blown out now on these. Yeah. I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll see if I keep them. Because <laughs> they screwed up, like, so now I got these boots and they're a little bit bigger than the other boots. And now when I adjusted the bindings, I'm a little bit further back on the ski than the other boot. So it's kind of... Kind of throwing me off a little. Yeah, I had a whole big ski issue, but I'm going to talk about that in the next podcast because uh, it's a bit Swap, intricate. Swapping skis. Swapping skis, yeah. So that's the recommendation. Get skis when you get boots. Absolutely. Do it all at once. Get the <laughs> boots. All well, at once. Always get the boots first. That's definitely the lesson that we learned. Yeah. But yeah, so um, we, uh, we I got a couple pictures I can put up of of uh, the boots, the boots that I got. Do you have... Did you take any of the the process of like the no 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 but it was kind of cool it was actually almost hurting your foot when the foam was going in because it was putting so much pressure it was wild 
yeah, it was, I mean, imagine taking, you know, your, your boots and putting them on the absolute tightest, you know, uh, fitting and locking them in. Yeah. That's kind of what it felt like for a couple seconds. Yeah. And if it, it, the amazing thing too, is like the foam going in, like they got these tubes almost like, um, I don't know, it was weird. Like, um, like the matrix, you know, where they had the people hooked up with little hoses Yeah, and they pull the hose out at the end. And it's kind of the same thing. They got like three or four hoses and they're just yanking them out of your boot. Yeah. It's pretty neat. But, um, that little, almost looked like a little, about the size of, you know, if you go to like a hot dog place, they got the ketchup and the mustard in that little bottle. <laughs> yeah. It was almost the size of that, but then they mix it together and that little bottle was pushing everything with such force. It was pretty wild. Yeah, it was really, it was weird. I was like, aren't I mean, you going to hook it up to like a compressor? No, you just shake up the thing and they wait a little. And once it starts getting ready to foam, they, they put it on and that's it. It was cool. And I guess the, the guy was telling me is I guess they've, you know, in the last five or 10 years, they've made so many updates and changes and advancements in their process. So yeah. they're always continuing to advance and they're always continuing to, uh, you know, to come up with new, better ways to get these, these custom fits. Well, and they said, too, the big change they made a few years ago is they started manufacturing their own liners, liners yeah. which they used to do another, you know, get another brand, which mm -hmm. wasn't necessarily custom for what they wanted to do. So it's kind of nice. Now they have full freedom to do whatever. Yeah. Again, it's going to cost you, but if you if they last, you know, five, six years and you get a great... Ten years. Ten years, 20 years. And if it's a great fit and it uh, make, makes you have more fun skiing, then it is worth it. That's what it all comes down to. If it makes you have more fun skiing, then it's worth it. And more time out in the mountain, right? Remember that there was that one family, before, I don't know if it was before us that day or the day before. Oh, they were there that day, yeah. It was like a family of five, and they all got custom Surefoot boots. Brand new Surefoot boots for the yes. round of Surefoots. Yeah. We should have snuck in with them. Like, oh yeah, we're with them. They're probably like the... Uh, What's the uh, the Keystone Pipeline? Like he's like, oh yeah, it's gonna go through. I assure you, my company, I'm the CEO of the company that's gonna be benefiting from the Keystone Pipeline. So no, sure foots for everybody. Sure foots around. Yeah, yeah. You can easily uh, you sneak in, you hang out at the end of the line with all the kids, and you just kind of put your boots there on the counter yeah. and see. Me too. Me too. How about mine? How about mine, Papa? Just dropping seven <laughs> grand on ski boots for your family. That's crazy. That's baller. Yeah, what are we going for dinner that night? Sizzle. Sizzler. Maybe we'll Taco Bell. Taco Bell. They're going to Timmy Hortons. Avalanche Pizza. Timmy Hortons. <laughs> Timmy Hortons. <laughs> Timmy's. Double doubles for everybody. That's right. Uh, yeah, so if you want any more information, check it out at skibumpodcast.com. And also, um, you know, we have a couple pictures and stuff on there. You can check us out on Instagram.com slash skibumpodcast, Twitter.com slash skibumpodcast. And Facebook.com slash keep on podcast. Yeah. Boots. That's time for Under the Ropes. That is right. With Brian and Mario. Hey. Mario, I'm going to kick this off. I think I want to kick it off. So, first Under the Ropes, we're going to FIFA. FIFA. Um, after that onion debacle, which I love. That um, non-corrupt organization. <laughs> non-corrupt organization. So they have agreed to expand the World Cup to 48 teams. And it is freaking a lot of people. Why not just put every country in it now? Every country. Why not? It's like the Olympics of uh, soccer. Um, yeah, but it's it's. I didn't realize there's all this backlash. People are pissed off. Like they're like, it's going to ruin the game. So um, 
you know, this week to this Tuesday, uh, well, last week, last Tuesday, they just decided to expand it from 48 teams to 32 teams. Uh, so what that's going to do is it's going to make it a little bit longer of a tournament. There's going to be a lot, um, a lot more games in the. If anybody doesn't know soccer and the way they run the World Cup, there's the qualification round and then there's the knockout round. So qualification round, you just want to be. Uh, I think the way it's set up now, one of the one of the two out of the four teams in your group, um, the, those top two teams go to the knockout round, and then the knockout round is just a straight round robin knockout bracket. Uh, where you play through and then, you know, whoever wins, wins. So, you know, there's strategies to, you have to be better than the, you know, two of the teams in your group, right. basically. Now they're saying by doing this, it might throw off, you know, make it where you're not necessarily going to win, you're just looking to survive the knockout round, uh, the qualification round, which kind of is what some of the teams do anyway, you know. Yeah. So there's, it's funny how people get all upset about it, and it's like, well, they're going to make it more accessible to more teams. There's, you know, and one of the things they're saying too is right now the way it's set up, there's a lot of teams from a lot of regions that aren't part of the World Cup because they're not as good. So this at least give them a chance to start participating and get better, and and maybe even have that X factor of like a. A team that just plays really well in the tournament. A Cinderella story or, you yeah. know, even, even you know, inspiring the next generation, which may be watching and be like, oh, you know, we saw our team advance to the next round of the World Cup and then, you know, yeah. the next they could have the next superstar coming up in the next, you know, five years later. Because there's always a lot of big letdowns. Hey, England. Uh-huh. <laughs> Every bloody time. Every bloody time. They either, well, they either go through the qualification round and got knocked out the first round or they don't even make the, I think last time they didn't even make the, Make it past the... Uh, they did. No, well, in the Euro, they did. Yeah, the I forget. In the World Cup, they did. But, I mean, let's be honest. The moral of the story is there are now going to be 80 matches instead of 64, which means... Cash that means money. 16 times, 16 more matches where they're making money. Boom. And yeah. more players are getting more endorsements. They're getting mm-hmm. more visibility. It's all about money. That's really what it comes down to. Let's be honest. It's Cash not about money. the purity. It isn't about the, the integrity of the game. It's about getting that paper kid... But you know it's funny they they come out with this and everybody's going crazy about it and they're like it's going to start in 2026. That's uh-huh. a long freaking way. Out. I'll be dead by then. Yeah, that's right. You know, let's and, settle down. And they they got to decide on the 2026 tournament in 2020. Yeah. So it, there's a long way out for all this, and they're saying the U.S. might be up for it. U.S., Canada, and Mexico, which they're saying might put bids in. But um, it might also be on Mars by then. Mars. M A. Musk. May have terraformed it by then. Oh, that's right. He's going to have all the teams. Yeah. He's going to have every team Inter- come in. Intergalactic Cup. Intergalactic Cup. It's like, forget your World Cup. Boom. Intergalactic Cup. Get your Galactic Cup here, son. Right? Boom. Maybe with diamonds that they found on Mars. <laughs> or they'll be mining that asteroid with made of diamonds. That's right. Yep. You won an asteroid. Yeah, so that we'll look forward to that in 10 years then. We'll, they, can na- they can name a star out of the star player. Boom. And it's possible too. Possible too. Yeah. All right, so next up. So this is from The Cannabis, and it looks like business is booming. North American marijuana sales up 30% in 2016. I got to say, if, you, if, if marijuana, like, just overall was on the stock market as one big fund, mm-hmm. that would be so awesome. So we're actually starting to have ETFs of, uh, of cannabis companies. Marijuana. Yeah, that's going to be a thing in the next couple of years. 60% growth. How'd you do that? Yeah. Marijuana, son. I don't see Apple putting up those numbers anymore. <laughs> yeah, so they're saying uh, uh, $6.7 billion 
dollars in sales. When you talk that number, you gotta do the, the billion dollars. That's crazy. And they're saying uh, they're looking for it to rise to 20.2 by 2021. Damn. Yeah. So if you want to invest in something, that's probably a target market to get into. Well, part of the problem right now with investing in it is there are a lot of shady companies that are out there, a lot of penny stock um, weed companies that are, that kind of suck, and there's the great uncertainty with the Trump administration and the soon-to-be-appointed Jeff Sessions as Attorney General hmm. who, uh, who believes the marijuana, people who smoke the marijuana, they're bad people. Yeah, so there is kind of that little little inbred racist elephant in the room we have to deal with. But, but then there's the X Factor Trump that might just say, it's money. Make it happen. Business. Business. Yeah, it's all Where about business. Make that money. Make that paper. Honestly, Again, yeah. like the World Cup. About it. It's like the World Cup. Got to make that paper. That's what it comes down to. I'm hoping Obama, one of his last things, legalize weed. Yeah. I'm with, pardoning weed. In my final day <laughs> in the office. I'm legalizing cannabis for everybody. Let me be clear. Let me be clear. government will support cannabis. That's it. This goes out. Yeah. Peace. That's it. <laughs> That's his legacy right there. He made weed legal federally. That would solve a lot of problems. It really would. Uh, but they're saying, one of the things I did see today, they were talking about, um, they said no matter you know who Trump appoints to his cabinet, they said they are not going to be um, implementing their policies, they will be implementing Trump's policies. And Trump has never been technically against cannabis. He's pro-money. He's pro-money. That's what I'm saying. So that's the one thing people are kind of like grasping to. Why do you think all the states to? are going for it? States are, are running, they were in financial despair, mm -hmm. and then they're like, this is the golden ticket to get us out of this, this shit we're in. Well, New Jersey decided that, you know... Our, 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 I'd rather focus on donuts and closing bridges. Our wise governor, <laughs> yes, he uh, he claims we have an addiction problem in this country, yet you put on like the New Jersey channel and you have commercials for the first state to have online gambling that the state is benefiting from. Yeah. And they have all these people like, I won $15,000 with my slot machine in my kitchen. It's like, I, I, I can only imagine the, the amount of money they've lost like, people have lost from these online casinos. Well, think of what they did in Jersey. So they legalized the online gambling, mm -hmm. and then they're trying to prop up Atlantic City, which they decimated with the online gambling, yeah. by setting up casinos in North Jersey, which, thank God, it got voted down, by saying, oh, let's open up the casinos in North Jersey to supplement Atlantic City. What? <laughs> what? It doesn't what make really? any sense. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. They just totally mismanaged. Whoever's part of Jersey has really messed up Jersey for a long time. Yeah, big time. Every governor, every senator, they've all had their hand in uh, in screwing it up. Like I hear a lot about Cory Booker. I like Cory Booker, but Newark, Jersey, it's not in a good state. It's a good state. Well, Newark is, I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's way better than it was, but it's still... It's still pretty bad. It's still very bad. Yeah. <coughs> but, yeah, I mean, look at Colorado. I mean, is Colorado delving into uh, insanity and chaos and peril? No, it's prospering like it never has before. You know, they're making tons of money. They had to give taxpayers back money last year. Wow. You know, the money is going to the school systems. You know, Can there's... You filing your taxes and get more money back? Saying, yeah. You paid too much, you got a surplus. They said there's less DUIs. There's less domestic violence. Violent crime is down. Nice. You know, there's... It's been almost all positives. 
So things are going to change around here with, uh, was it Maryland and, is it Maryland and Massachusetts? Maine. Maine, Maine and, and Massachusetts. Massachusetts, yeah. I know Massachusetts alone is going to be a big impact to this area. Well, Massachusetts, those assholes, they, um, they originally were supposed to start uh, a recreational sales January of 2018, so next year. Oh, 2018. Yeah. Now these uh, state senators just decided, oh, we're going to change it to the, sp the summer of 2018. Wow. Like, no, this is not what the people voted for. The people have voted. They want it starting in January of 2018. Just got to vote out the Senate. Yeah, exactly. These people, yeah. like, they're like, oh, we can do what we want, right? No, assholes. Yeah. The people have spoken. Boom. I like it. Yeah. Let's keep up podcast 2018. 2018. <laughs> but that's going to change things just in general, just in the Northeast, because yeah. that's, like, the big, bigger ones. California's going to change everything. I mean, they said just the, the if, if you equate that to the gross national product of, of what it's going to do for marijuana, it's like, it's going to increase everything to like 50%. It's, it's a massive amount of people in California. Oh, yeah. Well, isn't it the sixth largest economy in the world or eighth largest economy in the world? Something. California? Yeah. Well, they're saying now Denver is pretty much the epicenter for, you know, it's like the capital of, of cannabis. They're saying that's going to be L.A. now. Wow. And, you know, if... if there's going to be a lot of business opportunities. You know, we went to that, that cannabis business conference this past summer. Yeah. And um, with California legalizing it, there's going to be so many opportunities and so much money to be made if, you are, uh, if you're in the right place. Well, think of Colorado. They're the first one in. They're the, the leader in a lot of stuff just because they were first in. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the things that you got to think about your state. Whether you, whether you agree with it or not, as long as you don't agree that it's, it's bad, like, the way people have demonized it in the past, from an economical point of view, if you don't get in, your state and your state economy is going to be hurt by not being in. Yeah. You know, our our economy nationally may be hurt by us not getting in. You have Canada that's, like, ramping up to sell. They want to just be the seller of marijuana to the U.S., and what's that going to do for us? Yeah. We're not going to make the money on it. Mm -hmm. it it's kind of... Well, that's concerning. What, that's what industrial hemp, the problem they're having now. You know, they're yeah. finally starting to grow it now, but a lot of companies have to import that. I mean, you can legally sell hemp here, but you have to import it from China and Canada. Mm. Do you know how insane that is? When when all these farmers are being forced out by these you know, giant factory farming operations yeah. that are buying up buying everybody up, now there's a crop that can be easily grown that farmers and communities can benefit from, but we're importing it from Canada and China does not make any sense at all. I mean, if you help the farming community, I mean, farmers are... It's the backbone of our country. It, it, it's, it does so much for our gross national product. You're talking about the machinery sales, the... Yeah, the Caterpillar, working, John Deere, they're all, they're all benefiting from it. Workers, all the equipment, all the whole ecosystem that supports... Whole is, towns, whole communities. It's much more... It's Families. It's much more mm -hmm. than just importing something and remanufacturing re it here or something. I mean, it's it's grassroots. It's from everything, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we're getting... We're slowly getting less dumb, and I think, you know, positive things are happening, and we're, you know, finally uh, starting to realize that, you know, this isn't this... Reefer madness, insanity. They're stopping the fake news. That's part of it. You know, we're finally looking at the real facts and we're seeing scientific evidence. And, um, well, you know, and that's another thing. They're able to actually run studies on it somewhat now. It's still too limited. They really need to open it up and allow people to run a study on it. Mm -hmm. It's Why shouldn't you be able to study it for science? You know? Yeah. I mean, you have no problem shoving Oreos into your mouth and getting diabetes. 
yeah. and then getting on 16 different you know prescription drugs to keep you alive that's totally fine but this naturally growing plant that's the devil that's evil that's 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 a drug well one of the reasons that some people want to run science on it is they want to find out a way to take out the THC but still have the medicinal properties of marijuana plant which is what they did in pharmaceuticals but they're trying to prevent it because while they say you know for the common person they're telling people oh well because it's bad and it gets you high or whatever but really behind the scenes it's a lot of lobbyists from the pharmaceutical industries that are trying to keep it out absolutely mm -hmm. and it's, and it's it, the only reason they're doing it is because they don't have to do anything and they'll make billions of dollars the minute marijuana gets you know cannabis gets researched enough to make something that can compete with a pharmaceutical drug, pharmaceuticals are going to buy it out. Yeah. You know, and then they'll have to do something. But mm -hmm. right now, they have to do nothing. You won't need your 13 prescriptions anymore because you can take this one plant, this naturally With growing no plant, effects. and having no side effects. Yeah. Right. Except the giggles, a healthier appetite, and being able to sleep better. Yeah. Those are your side effects. Crazy. Sounds pretty good to me. Crazy. Uh, we go on these rants always when we talk about cannabis, but... That's well, uh, because some of it's infuriating like that. Because, again, as a kid, I was always, you know, say no to drugs. This is terrible. And I was a class that put it all together. You know, everything is drugs. This big, giant ball of evil. You know, you want no part of it. And then it's like, then you start, like, like learning and reading. And now with the internet, you, there's so much more information out there that's available. And it's like, okay, heroin, crack, meth. Yeah, those are, those are bad. Those are, those are drugs I don't want to deal with. Caffeine is a drug. Ibuprofen is a drug. Those aren't banned everywhere, you know? And then, you you know, you, you grow up and you, you know, experiment a little bit. And you're like, wow, this actually makes me feel really happy and kind and, you know, self-reflecting. And I look at myself differently. And how is this a bad thing? You're I mean, I can... moderation, you know? Like, yeah, like I'm telling you I do it every day. I can, go to a, I can go to a liquor store, spend $200, completely get shit-faced every single night, and there's no problem with that. Yeah. I'm not, viol you know, as long as I'm not driving... I'm not violating any laws. Go can't lose my job. Yeah. No, that's totally cool. It's just, it's so bizarre. I mean, bizarre. when you look at all the rules and, you know, you can do this, you can't do that, you can't do this, you can't do that, it really does feel like we're in some sort of simulation or or, or game from a higher species. It just, it's, it's, it's too weird to be real. Yeah, and in all honesty, like, if it was legal, I'd do it once in a while. I'm not gonna. I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, I need to do it all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, but if you want to recreate and you want to relax and you want to, just like you, have a few drinks or whatever, same kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it shouldn't be vilified for it. Yeah, exactly. There's just this bad stigma with everything surrounding it. Yeah. Which is why they're calling it cannabis instead of marijuana or weed or anything like that. It's it's cannabis. It's a it's a it's an herb, it's a... It makes it seem more legit and medicinal. more medicinal, yeah. When you yeah. call it weed, it's like, oh, I'm just a dude smoking weed, man. You yeah. know, it's like just a bunch of, like, you know, bums. Yeah. But that's that was the article we had a couple months ago talking about how I mean, calling I cannabis makes it seem more legitimate. I My brother is on, he's on opiates. Like, they give prescribed opiates. I don't want him to take that shit. But yeah. now medical is, is legal in Florida, right? But he can't do it because he's... Um, military? Ex-military. <sighs> He's on a military federal pension because it's not part of federal. He theoretically could get screwed for that. So here he has bad back problems. You know, he's gone back and forth with the with the VA, which has been documented to screw around with everybody. Mm. And, you know, he's he's actually not taking anything. He's just suffering through the pain. You get used to it after a while. Certainly. That sucks, though. That's bullshit. Yeah. 
you know, the amount of, the sacrifice that these, you know, military folks give and the way they get treated after is, it's deplorable. Had, it really is horrible. And he had Gulf War Syndrome. He was getting seizures. Mm -hmm. You know what would have helped with seizures? Charlotte's Web. Now Charlotte's Web is available. Mm -hmm. um, and I think he could take that, but that wasn't available when he was having the seizures from Gulf War Syndrome when he came back. Yeah. It's crazy. It's messed up. Anyway, so we digress. We're getting there. We're getting there slowly. Yeah, we're getting there. Just look look towards hope for the future, right? Yeah. Keep um, educating people. Keep learning. Find out the truth. So, speaking about educating people, <laughs> um, Amazon Alexa, which I have Alexa, I'm talking... Things are going to happen with it. Just you talking about this story, <laughs> things are going to turn off and on. It's listening. I said Alexa and it, it lit up. You're going to order a... Order a paper dollhouse. No, don't order a paper dollhouse. <laughs> God damn, the thing's really going to do it. Order six paper dollhouse. <laughs> it's good to do. <laughs> um, so Amazon Alexa started ordering uh, people dollhouses after hearing its name on TV. Now, I've had this personally happen where the TV goes on and they run the Amazon Alexa commercial. And they have you know the demo where the person's saying, Alexa, do this. It's listening right now. The thing lit up. Yeah. I say, Alexa, what's the weather? Oh, oh she didn't hear me too well. That's okay. right. Good. Um, but anyway, when that TV commercial comes on, my things light up. I'm like, holy shit, what's it going to say? <laughs> so they had one. Um, well, there's two cases. So one is uh, children are talking to Alexa. And by accident, if you have it hooked up to your Amazon account, it will just start ordering stuff. <laughs> if it thinks you wanted to order so um, Alexa, order three more flashlights. <laughs> it's gone. Amazon's choice for flashlights. <laughs> no, no. Alexa, flashlight. <laughs> so they say there's little kids that are ordering stuff by accident. Um, <laughs> Alexa, stop. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, see, this is what happens. You got three flashlights coming now. <laughs> they're they're on the way. I gotta look at my account after. Got the blue alien one. Good choice. God damn it. So, um, so anyway, so one recent instance occurred when uh, a six-year-old um, asked her, "Echo, can you, can you play, can you play dollhouse with me and get me a dollhouse?" So that spun into Alexa ordering four pounds of sugar cookies and a dollhouse. Oh my god! So they actually have. Um, <laughs> no, no, stop. Alexa, stop. <laughs> so, this is actually what happened. So, so they have these, um, they, they actually, we, so they had the, they ran this story of this little girl, what, what she was saying to it and what it, what it did. Mm -hmm. Um, they ran it on a local morning show. And what happened is because it played on the TV, all the Alexas, all the, uh, the dots that were around or the, or the uh, echoes that were around picked it up on the TV. And they all, in turn, ordered from there the <laughs> so same thing, awesome. dollhouses and pounds of sugar. So it messed up. So they replayed it. and But, yeah, the commercial comes on, and, like, your thing will start lighting up. And you're like, okay, what's going on? Yeah. <laughs> going to see what's going to happen. So it's pretty funny. Oh, that's fantastic. So the, that's the thing. they got to stop running stories. they got like, you could put something in a commercial that says, Alexa, you know, Alexa is, is somebody's name, and it'll start, damn, this thing's listening already. Yeah. Alexa, stop. Alexa, stop. Okay. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> Who knows what's coming on, uh, on Thursday now? So you could change your Alexa. 
you, you can change it from Alexa to uh, Dot or Amazon or Echo. You can call it different things. So that's the one thing you can do is start calling it something else. Can't call it like Clarence? No, you can only call it uh, one of four things. That's it. Oh, okay. It'd be cool to call it your own thing. but Yeah, right. So then you wouldn't be uh, messed up with commercials. Exactly. So it's pretty funny though. Yeah. So be careful with your Amazons. With your use them wisely. Use them wisely. Don't let your kids talk to them when you're not Ew. around. You might want to shut them down. Yeah, I guess it's, they said you can put some sort of passcode on there, right? Too. I don't know. I, I don't the, have anything. I thought the article said that uh, your Alexa settings can be adjusted through the device's app, oh, and okay. users can either turn off voice ordering altogether or add a passcode to prevent accidental purchases. Right. So, you, like, if you're going to make a purchase, like. Because you could have it, I don't have mine set up, but you could hook it up where you could say, Alexa, order me whatever. Alexa, stop. <laughs> Alexa, stop. Okay. So you could say the name and order me like whatever, and it'll just go to your Amazon account, put in and do the instant order, and it'll just show up. Yeah. Like you don't have to even check anything. Alexa, stool softener. <laughs> oh. <laughs> It's ordering stool softener. Alexa, add stool softener. Just <laughs> put it on my, my shopping Boom, list. Boom, done. That's fine. It's just on my shopping <laughs> list. I'll see it. I'll laugh. and Whatever. It's not ordering it. I uh, use it all the time to build my shopping list. It's that's pretty cool, yeah. I just open the fridge. I'm like, Alexa, add this. Alexa, add that. It's like a little kid. i got to be careful. Yeah, right. You We're can't... talking about it. Don't, you know. Yeah. Say her, not <laughs> her name. Her. <laughs> All right, next up. So this was a cool article I came across, and apparently it's a couple months old, but I still found it really interesting. And it was um, these uh, these couple guys. They decided they were, they were kind of talking, and they're like, you know what? We uh, we hang out at these coffee shops all the time, and like, what are people actually working on in coffee shops? So they were in Venice, California, at a shop called Deuce X Machina, and. You know, usually people are there with their headphones on, they're on their laptops, they're kind of hanging out, they're doing whatever. And, um, you know, it's it's it not a place of, of, you know, social interaction really too much. You're kind of in your own world. And these guys end up just asking people, you know, what they were doing. And they came with a bunch of really cool responses from people. So one was, I'm a production designer currently doing location scouting for a film. I've been driving around taking pictures and stopped here to create PDFs with the various locations I found. Hmm. Another person, I'm a lifestyle and portrait photographer, came here to do edits. I work better around people. Another person, I'm a student who also started a nonprofit to get grants for acrobatic gymnasts who need money for training. I'm currently helping my friend with his bio. Hmm. Uh, another person, I'm a writer, but I'm working on a construction project for a building I own in Venice, dealing with my contractors. Another person, I'm messaging friends. I work in tech, and I basically never work in coffee shops. Another person, I'm writing a creative brief. I'm in music marketing. I feel inspired around other people. So they just got all these kind of crazy, you know, different answers uh, from different people. And uh, I wonder if you can go to a coffee shop, any coffee shop, just take everybody in there and just start a company with all those people. Like, just recruit everybody. Yeah, right? That'd be kind of interesting. Someone else was like, I'm studying palm reading history in my free time. I'm a writer and do teaching tutoring. So, again, they were, like, all over the place. Hmm. And, um... I'm just surfing porn in the, you know. Yes. So um, there's a lot of that. And it's funny, like, they did a bunch of, you know, they came up with a couple of uh, calculations because they asked people other questions. 
And they said 88% said they've asked themselves the same exact question. What is everyone else doing here? Uh, 95% were super friendly and amused at the idea. 18% said their work was confidential. 36% spontaneously said they weren't writers. Uh, 60% asked to be sent a link to this article. Nice. And... Um, well, if your work is confidential, <clears throat> just to let people know that are out there, going on the public Wi-Fi at Starbucks... Probably not the best idea. Not the best. Not very confidential, let's put it that way. Yeah. But one thing that was really cool is that people were actually, you know, excited after they were talking to these people. And um, what these guys ended up doing was kind of creating a, uh, like a meetup group, like a oh, coffee house connect group. You know, kind of see. Well, I mean, they, they did it like at night, you know, so they, they were like, you know, people are usually working in their own little world, but they like being around people. Like, I know I love oh, going to cool. coffee shops because I don't, like, I like the environment, but I also like kind of being able to focus and do my own thing and not being distracted. We get the people at home. plus do what you want to do, which is nice. Right. So, yeah, they ended up creating this whole uh, coffee house connect just based on the findings of this oh, kind of like neat. idea they had. That is pretty cool. So, yeah, it's it's uh, it was pretty neat. So, yeah, you never know what... Uh, well, if you think about it, if you're in public, certain situations, you're more <clears throat> alone than if you're alone. Yeah. Because people leave you alone. It's, it's, you know? It's very true. So, yeah, this is a, it was a social experiment, and now they're uh, they're doing this Coffeehouse Connect, so... Cool. Pretty cool. You should make an app where people register, and they tell you what you're doing in the Coffeehouse, and you can say, hey, you're, you're working on a, uh, on a book. I'm working on the same type of book. Or maybe you're like you're a developer and you're a designer and you guys work together and you come up with a new project. Hey, you're in the coffee shop too while I'm here. Let's work on it's a, almost a like project a, together. Like a like a hackathon. Hackathon, yeah. Like a coffee shop social impromptu hackathon. Coffee shop collaboration. Yeah. Coffee shop collaborator, we'll call it that. There you go. High food and ski bums. Boom. Skibumpodcast.com. <laughs> coffee shop collaborator. Go and rate us, make sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next we got. Prince Purple Rain left behind nearly a million dollars in gold bars. Who the hell thought? So they're finding out all this like crazy stuff that, you know, he left behind. Very sad that he passed. But, you know, he had such, you know, he had a lot of wealth and he had a lot of possessions. And it's funny, like, you know, it, it takes a while for people to start going through this. So he had um, which uh, 67 10-ounce gold bars, according to estate documents. Um, and they're estimating that it's valued at about $840,000, uh, which is pretty crazy. My question is, were all those gold bars purified in the waters of Lake Minnetonka? Lake, Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> I think they were. They'd have to be. He had to purify those things. Yeah. But um, along with that, so, I mean, that that's the big headline. So purple rain, but purple and gold go together, right? That's fabulous right there. They're complementary colors. They are. Purple and gold. That's right. So, Those are royalty colors. That is not an accident. King's colors right there. Um, but anyway, like, you know, so there's this one article. They're actually listing down some of the um, other stuff that he had there. He had, like, the motorcycles from um, Purple Rain and Graffiti Bridge. Uh, like, like all this crazy stuff. Um, pretty neat. Four bank accounts with $110,000 in, in, in them. Nice. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Like you start like realizing how much these people really make <laughs> when they're alive. It's like, wow. Yeah, I'd like a uh, one gold bar. That would be kind of cool. One. It's not enough. Ten ounce gold bar. I want a bigger one. 
I want one that they, they, you know, when they show the pictures of Fort Knox, like the big bar, like that's the one I want. The one that's like, you can barely lift because it's so heavy. Yeah. Well, there's a new movie coming out, Gold, like Matthew McConaughey and stuff. Oh. Where those guys invested in, in I don't know exactly, they, they found like some gold mine or something somewhere and they became like super wealthy and then of course all the craziness and greed and insanity kind of happened. Comes with the territory, right? Oh, every time. Damn. It's human nature. Once you get rich, people come out of the woodwork. Crazy yeah. shit starts to happen. All right. Next up. So here's kind of a, a sad and scary tale. Um, so zombies would wipe out humans in less than 100 days. <laughs> Everybody thinks like, oh yeah, zombie apocalypse, I'm going to last, right? No. You know, no, well here it's a, a new article in a peer-reviewed student journal finds that the zombie hordes would take Earth's population down to a mere 273 survivors in 100 days. Damn. Yeah, the paper published in the University of Leicester's Journal of Physics Special Topics was a fanciful use of the so-called SIR model, which is used in epidemiology to simulate how diseases spread over time. It's not huh. the first time zombies have been used as a public health metaphor. In December 2015, for example, the British medical journal The Lancet published a tongue-in-cheek paper titled Zombie Infections, Epidemiology, Treatment, and Prevention. So in this analysis, um, they're assuming that each zombie would have 90% success at finding and infecting one human per day. All right, it's actually not far-fetched. A rate that would make the zombie virus twice as contagious as the Black Death, Damn. the plague that devastated Europe in the 1300s. Researchers further estimate that each zombie could live 20 days without brains. 20 days without brains. I don't know how they came up with that, but that's fascinating. Yeah, seriously. We need some uh, some <laughs> some sort of uh, sighting here as to how you came up with that, that calculation. So when you say somebody has shit for brains, they really might have for at least 20 days. <laughs> Assuming a starting population of 7.5 billion people, approximately the world's population today, the student calculated that it would take 20 days for a single zombie to start an epidemic of noticeable proportions. At that point, the pandemic would have begun. Assuming no geographic isolation, in fact, the human population would drop to 181 by day 100 of the epidemic, with 190 million zombies roaming around. Holy crap. That's staggering. That's how they start. Well, they use zombies as a metaphor, but they're actually like, well, what would happen if like smallpox or some other crap were like to wreak havoc on people? It's, it's crazy. My question is, what if uh, zombies ate cannabis? That chill them out, would it freak them out? Then they they'd have a forty percent chance of infecting one person a day. <laughs> and the numbers like, would go down. Hey man, I'm not going to bother today. I'm just going to kind of chill out, chill. work on my art for a little bit. <laughs> I'm going to just drum in this drum circle for a little bit. I was working on my noodle my noodle art for a bit. So I'm going to make this painting with noodles. It's going to be cool. They got like their brains are gone, right? So they're just kind of chilling out anyway. Mm -hmm. Now, one positive thing in this study, though. So um, the assumptions provided some hope for humanity. So under this model, the human population rapidly dropped off to a few hundred. But the zombies died off after a thousand days. So 10,000 days after the beginning of the epidemic, the human population would start to recover again. After how many days? 10,000. 10, yeah. So how I many years is that? riding that out, man. What's that? 30 years? Ish. Damn. Oof. Yeah, that would be a rough 30 years, I think. 
So really, you know, we uh, you don't yeah, really 27. want twenty-seven point three years, like twenty-seven years. Yeah, zombies are very hot right now. Well, the problem is, like, they're still wandering around, so they could still infect you. You got to make sure you're not near the nun. You know what I mean? Like, so for thirty years, you got to make sure that nothing's getting infected and keeps going on. Yeah, you got to go to a place like Snowbird, where you're kind of isolated up there. So that one road in. Yeah. You know, you want to be at a like a high point. So if you see them coming, you could start like you know Damn. releasing boulders or something. It's like Zombieland, you gotta start like taking them out, man. Yeah, you gotta, Zombie killer of the week. You gotta move to higher ground. That's the key. You need higher ground and ice. And you need some weapons or something. You now, need a sword. Could a zombie survive an avalanche? I don't know. Maybe for twenty days. I don't know. Like, don't they have the same kind of twenty days without brains? But if they don't have, if they're not getting air, wouldn't that suffocate them? No, they're undead. That doesn't need air. <laughs> I don't know how they could survive without oxygen. I think you need the oxygen, though. After a few days, yeah. Just getting the tree wells. What about, like, apoc apocalypse snow with zombies? Zombie apocalypse snow. Zombie apocalypse snow. Boom. That could be our next movie we have to make. You gotta ski away or board away from them because they might infect you. Send them to tree wells. Oh, tree wells. A tree well, tree well uh, like, little... Booby mines. traps. Booby traps. Booty traps. Booty traps. <laughs> Booty traps. Booty traps. Yeah. That'll work. Yeah, so, oof. Yeah, that's pretty uh, messed up. A little depressing, yeah. Well, and you think about, like, <clears throat> if you think about just infection in general, like, just, it freaks you out. You're like, you never want to get on a plane or travel. <laughs> you don't want to go near a big city. Yeah. So I guess stay up in the mountains, ski, but not in a resort. Because too many people from outside come in into the restaurant. A lot of foreigners. Yeah, you don't want any of that nonsense. Yeah, people that have been in the airport. Well, you were in an airport like three hours ago. Like, yeah. Who knows what germs... That's why germs spread now. Yeah, just nasty. There's no more traveling by boat or by carriage. You know, that used to give you enough time to get sick and get it out of your system and get better by the time you reach your destination. Now, you're there like across the country. Dysentery. Dysentery. Yeah, Oregon Trail. <laughs> dengue fever. <laughs> we had a consultant get dengue fever. Oh, no. <laughs> That's like, like the worst. I'm like, I didn't know that existed still. Yeah, yeah it right. does still exist. Jeez. <laughs> it's crazy. Yeah. All right, so we got our final story. And this is Rapid Your Alley. So final story, there's uh, Super Yachts. Rob Report came out with Super Yachts we can't wait to see in 2017. Got to yurt. Got to yurt. So they have all these yachts, like this this photo montage of these crazy, ridiculous yachts. Uh, some of them are like just drawings of stuff that's in progress. And some of them, like the Lurson Shipyard, launched its Mammoth Marvel, the 403-foot Jupiter Super Yacht. Oh my god, that thing is unbelievable. It is just, it's like a little, it's your private cruise line. <laughs> it's like a boat. It's like a, It's like an island, pretty much. Yeah. This boat, it's ridiculous. Oh, crazy. And then they have one with... Um, it's a sporty, aggressive cruiser, though, at 403 feet. Sporty and aggressive. <laughs> uh, they have one that looks pretty wild. It's uh, It looks like a sea monster. It looks like something that's out of science fiction. So it is a luxury 468-foot sailing yacht. 400 feet. And that's gigantic. 
Yeah, the uh, this those stacks on it look kind of like the uh, the Surefoot. Yeah, right. The Surefoot uh, hoses. And those are mass, so they 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 look like stacks from far away, but I guess they chuck up sails on them. Oh yeah, look at this one picture has it with the uh, one of the sails up. Yeah. Oh my right. god. And they're saying it reaches a cruising speed, top speed of twenty one knots, which is pretty fast for a boat. For yeah. a sailboat. Three hundred and eighteen million dollars. Million dollars. Boom. We'll take two. Boom. That's crazy. I'm a simple man. I like the classics. I like the uh, Tankoa 164-foot yacht. That's pretty nice and sleek. I it's like it. It's elegant. It's simple. It's got a dope hot tub on it, of course. Yeah, I like the hot tub. Yeah. It's got a nice like deck over there, a little bar. I'd be in the hot tub all the time. I'd be like getting served food in there. It'd be great. I would be kind of nice, right? In there. He's in a hot tub. Got the outdoor uh, movie theater there. That's important. But you've sat in a hot tub for eight hours. How's that possible without going to the bathroom? <laughs> Don't worry. It's my yacht. <laughs> Do what I want. Drain the hot tub. I'm out. <laughs> Bring me a new yacht. Bring me... I have right. soiled this hot tub. <laughs> I soiled the whole yacht. It's done. Bring me a new I'm one. I'm done with this one. <laughs> the um, the Hessens 164-foot Nova Hybrid looks pretty good, too. Now, yeah, that would work in a pinch. In a pinch. It's a little small, but you know it'll work. Yeah. It's no, it's all. It's only one quarter of the size of my normal yacht, but you know, it's cool the way it has the the back of it is kind of uh, open and has the chairs and yeah. kind of just set up there so you can kind of hang out and just enjoy the view. Well, they haven't shown like so they they don't show all the pictures like so some of these like I look at yachting magazine once in a while who doesn't who doesn't and they actually have the pictures of like the side of these yachts open up and they have like you know the other boat that comes out and the the you know the jet skis and all that stuff that you know the, the toys that come out yeah and you look at it really close and you're like oh that's like a garage no no that's not a go that's the side of a yacht <laughs> you're like, that's so cool it's just crazy you think it's like a boathouse like up close and you're like mm. That's the side of a yacht. They're in the they're at sea. It's crazy. I love how it says it can accommodate twelve guests and ten crew members. <laughs> wow. Jesus. It's a lot of crew members required for this yacht. And you know one's a captain. He's not waiting on anybody. He's just driving that thing. Yeah, right. That's crazy, man. Man, this is a these are serious boats here. Ten crew members. Yep. Lightweight aluminum hull and vertical bow. Well, I want to know now, like for four hundred foot yacht mm -hmm. how many how many people crew that oh, i gotta have like 25 people right it doesn't say but i'm like how you would have to have a lot of people on that well that that um 468 foot sailing yacht that i mean you gotta have people manning the sails and it's a beautiful damn i'm sure that those sails are automatic you push a button to go up <laughs> i don't think anybody's rolling out sails for that thing i don't know i mean they gotta have people Kind of maintaining that or something. And the front of it looks like a destroyer. <laughs> it does. Well, it, it is German. so It looks, it looks it, like it's going to just run you down. It looks very German. You know, like your little fishing boat hanging out? It's fucking going to run you down. Out of I'm sorry. I have this 400-foot yacht. I, I can run over anything. That's, that's my, you know. Yeah. Pretty badass. So... If you're uh, looking for a new yacht in the next in the uh, the coming 2017 year, these are set, these are five yachts that should be under your radar. There's a lot of promise with these. 
a lot of promise. A lot of a lot of good times, a lot of good parties, a lot of uh, adventures that well, can because, be had. Because the yacht building industry was a little, you know, it was a little lagging. A lot of people wanted to see these, you know, super yachts. Yeah. Make yachting great again. Make yachting great again. <laughs> Uh, and they're all like Netherlands, like where they build these things. It's crazy. Well, the one's German. The uh, Nobis, German. Nobis Krug sailing yacht is German. Where else? So we have uh, Netherlands, Germany, Lursen. Okay, that's German. Lursen. Not a single Mongolian yacht. Not a you know? Come on, Mongolia. Come on, man. Step your game up. Another German one. That's the, uh, the the giant ones were German. Go. Yeah, of course. And the rest are... Uh, Italy? Oh, uh, yeah. Tankoa. And that one was uh, Dutch, the last one. Yeah. So, yeah. So, a lot of good yachting options available. So, if you guys are having a party, hit us up. Podcast at gmail.com. We may come and party with you. We can take pictures, put on the website. Yacht to Yurt. Got a beautiful website to display it. That's a lot right. Of people look at Skibonpodcast.com. A lot of people comment on it's it. It's been redesigned. It's beautiful. Next, it's a... It's made to showcase the fabulousness of the new yacht that you bought. It's quite beautiful, yes. You want to brag to your friends, you have them go to our website. We'll post the pictures up there. That's how, that's how it should go now. There you go. I guess that about wraps it up for the week then. So it thank does. you guys so much for listening. We're happy to be back after a, uh, a brief holiday hiatus. And um, you can, again, yeah, check us out at skibumpodcast.com. We got all of our info there. Send us an email, skibumpodcast at gmail.com. Thank you for everyone who's been reaching out to us. We really do appreciate it. And uh, we love hearing from you guys. You can go to twitter.com slash skibumpodcast, facebook.com slash skibumpodcast, instagram.com slash skibumpodcast. Please rate us and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps. We greatly appreciate that. Give us some love. Yeah, and uh, we will see you guys next week. Say hi to See ya.